Hello and welcome to Brain Attack podcast number 12. This is called Driven to Tears. I'm Andy Dovey. My comfortable existence is reduced to a shallow, meaningless party. Hi everyone, I hope you're all keeping well. I've been asked about what it was like having uh, an ABI and acquired brain injury and, and how did I cope with suddenly being extremely ill? And it's a fair question. An incredibly hard to answer, really, because I see it as more of a what I call a series of defining moments rather than just one kind of big bang of realisation. There, there are two elements at play here. There's the physical and the emotional. Now, plainly from a physical perspective, as I say, it's a kind of big bang event. And that means that the transition from, let's call it full health to, let's call it meagre health, is is it fairly immediate. Uh, waking up in a hospital bed, as I did, connected to a plethora of tubes emanating in and out of your body uh, and being unable to walk is is kind of blindingly obvious. And, uh, you know, well, at least it is after the initial confusion has worn off. But from an emotional or mental perspective, the understanding of this transition from full health to meagre health is is much more gradual. At least it was for me. What What's happened to you suddenly without warning is just too, too massive to comprehend. Um, too much to process in, in one lump. You can't really take in the enormity of the event immediately. It's, it's, it's just too big. Uh, and that's why I refer to these series of defining moments. With this in mind then, my, my first defining moment came when I was in hospital. Uh, just to set the scene for you, I was still in the neurosurgery ward following my brain surgery. I'd, I'd been told I'd had a major stroke, whatever that meant, because I had no idea at the time. And that due to complications, I, I'd had emergency brain surgery, which, which I knew nothing about and didn't know why. Uh, just as an aside here, my, my wife and sons were with me when I signed the consent form for the surgery. My oldest son said, oh, you, you signed it really strongly, Dad, you know, very strong, definite signature. And I have got no memory of signing this form whatsoever, which I told one of the consultants uh, in the hospital uh, several days later, when I was when I was told this by my eldest son, and uh, he was he was a bit shocked because he was <laughs> he was there when I signed it as well, and he couldn't quite believe that I had no memory of it. Anyhow, so the the, the brain surgery part sounded pretty serious, but but it's just a surgical procedure, right? I mean, no worries there. Bit of surgery, and I genuinely thought I'd be back at work in a few weeks' time. And at that stage, the only time I'd left my bed was when I needed to go to uh, number twos. Um, I had a catheter fitted, so number ones weren't an issue. Uh, this time, I also had a drain tube coming out 
from the top of my skull where they'd drilled a hole in the top of my skull to uh, insert this drain tube, which was relieving some of the pressure. I had another one at the base of my skull at the back of my head where they'd removed a sort of tennis ball side of uh, size of skull and uh, an IV in one arm and, <clears throat> excuse me, something else in the other. I don't really know what, but there, there are about five tubes altogether coming in and out. So the trip to the toilet for number twos involved a nurse helping me onto a commode. Didn't know what one of those was either until I saw it. Think of a kind of toilet sipping, sitting on top of a shopping trolley, that kind of thing. Uh, and then they'd wheel me to the bathroom manoeuvre me over the toilet and then we all hoped everything was uh, in alignment and that uh, as Elvis Costello once said that uh, my aim was true whilst whilst lying in bed every because of all these tubes every movement was was fraught with danger because they'd get tangled up they'd get caught in the bedding they'd get caught in the side rails they'd get caught in me they they get get caught they get tangled up in themselves so to try and avoid this, I'd, I'd try and keep as still as possible. And I became transfixed with the guy in the bed opposite me when he was uh, attempting to get in and out of his wheelchair. Now, he, he wasn't a brain attack survivor. He'd uh, just had an operation to remove a brain tumour, which, which they couldn't. They couldn't get at it. And remember, this was the neurosurgery ward, not the stroke ward. So because I couldn't move and I had nothing else to do, I studied how he got in and out of the wheelchair, thinking that, well, you know, this will be good learning for me because I'll probably have to do this. But uh, what seemed like a simple task was made very difficult by the fact that I'm short-sighted and I couldn't wear my glasses as I had double vision and I, I had yet to see the ophthalmologist and have corrective prisms fitted. But I was wondering how I was going to get on at home with a wheelchair. I, I had no idea if the doors were wide enough. We lived in a single-storey house, so I didn't have to worry about stairs. I used to plan in my imagination how I'd get from our lounge, down the hall to the bathroom, and then a bit further to our bedroom. Because when you can't really move and there's nothing else to do, there's not much else to do but think, really. And I reckon that if I was able to stand and maybe shuffle a bit, I could probably do it by moving from one piece of furniture to the next with the odd door frame and wall thrown in for good measure. Never ever occurred to me to use something like a walking stick or a walking frame. Just that didn't appear on my radar at all. Anyway, many an hour was whittled away by thoughts like this, imagining myself at home getting from point A then to point B, then to point C, etc. All in my mind's eye. Anyway, back to my first defining moment. I've just been setting the scene for you there. So after a few days, one by one, these tubes, drains, IVs, catheters and so on were, were removed. And I ended up being tube free, which which made the mounting and dismounting of the commode so much easier. And although my uh, manoeuvring technique had improved, I couldn't say the same about my aim. That was uh, still very much hit and miss with, with, with probably a much higher percentages of misses. Anyway, one day a nurse said to me, do you want to try walking? We'll help you use a frame. So, yeah, 
bloody right, mate. Let's, let's give that a go. So having got myself onto the edge of the bed, I had the nurse on my left, my wife on the right, and I shuffled into position for using the walking frame. You know, the thing, It's uh, it's got wheels at the back, solid at the front, and you kind of just shuffle along with it and at the time my, my balance was was pretty awful with uh, what I eventually called the force pulling me violently to the left and the best way to imagine this force is 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 to imagine a lead weight attached to one side of your head plus a strong magnet pulling you the same way and then add to that that the room is spilling spinning violently around Plus, you have double vision, and that'll give you some idea of what it's like. A bit like uh, being completely drunk whilst on a very fast spinning roundabout in an earthquake and and wearing goggles which have been smeared with Vaseline. (laughs) There's an analogy for you. Um, I guess the distance from my bed to the bathroom was probably no more than 10 yards, but it, it felt a lot longer. Uh, I nearly fell several times. All all I could do was shuffle forwards six inches at a time whilst swaying around like a tree in a hurricane. And when I finally made it to the bathroom, feeling totally exhausted, I just burst into tears. And I cried, I think, for probably several minutes, saying to my wife, if I can do this here, then I can do it at home. I I don't need to be in a wheelchair. Uh, I was just profoundly emotional I, I guess it was a release from everything that had been going on the uh the nurse offered to, to to get a wheelchair and wheel me back to bed but being the uh determined person as i am or as my wife says stubborn <laughs> i i refused and said no i can do this and i managed another herculean effort to get back to my bed where i collapsed into a heap totally exhausted <laughs> As I said earlier in this podcast, this was my first defining moment, the the realisation that I could sort of be mobile and claim some degree of independence, but also at the same time, the realisation that I was getting acutely aware of just how serious this all was, how limited I was physically, and how much effort was involved in something that I wouldn't have thought twice about a few days earlier so that's why i call it my first defining moment it's like oh this is a bit more serious than i thought that's it for now uh in my next podcast i will be talking about denial which uh which is an interesting topic if you'd like more information on the project please go to www.brainattackmusic.com And you'll also find uh, links there where you can follow me on social media. Until the next time, look after yourselves, take care and keep on keeping on. Bye for now. (laughs) 